It's funny, but I don't really have anything in particular to say, which I suppose you could say <laughs> about most of my dictations. But tonight, there's no impetus, just a sort of feeling that I should exercise the capacity, I suppose, or, or exercise the, uh, the, the practice of it. Um, I was speaking about sort of our mental capacities earlier with someone and how our minds are like muscles and our consciousness is very much like an organ in that it needs to be exercised in order to be used properly, um, in order to function properly, uh, for, in order for us as human beings to function properly. We need to, to, to use all of these faculties that we're gifted. So um, I suppose that's what I'm doing tonight. There's no real impetus. Like I said, there's no real starter as if there's usually something burning that I want to talk about when I start this. And tonight there isn't. Um, I'm just walking uh, on Pomona's campus. And, head to the rest of the five C's here uh, shortly and uh, again I just thought maybe I should talk and of course I'm one of the few people I know who can talk uh, about them not knowing what to talk about for the first two minutes of an opening conversation so or dialogue so I'm sure I will find something to continue to yammer on about but a beautiful night here in Southern California. It's uh, in the middle of summer. Summer is an interesting time, at least here lately for me. It's an extraordinarily busy time uh, with our summer program, SEED, our Summer Enrichment and Educational Development program and uh, I was thinking about a, a couple of things but again nothing that really was driving me in particular to speak but I suppose I'm always working through things and there's this notion for me that it bubbles up, kind of percolates when I'm working so hard and like I am now and um, for sure I see a lot of results. There's this notion that I should have been doing this a long time ago, that I should have been on this path years if not a decade or so ago, but that I was hamstrung by my own circumstance, and I was thinking about how often we are beaten down by our own circumstance, how often we are held hostage by who and what we perceive ourselves to be and the, the circumstance they're in for such a long time. 
Uncle T and I were in this battle in this raging epic cold war uh, against forces that I won't even speak of as real or not we were didn't matter what how, how it didn't matter their tangibility their empirical realities didn't didn't really matter what mattered was the situation that we found ourselves in because that became our reality and that's so true about so many of the things we find ourselves within is we perceive a situation as something that it may or may not be but of course it's always our reaction to that situation that is that becomes the reality it's always the interaction with the situation um, that that comes to create the composite reality and that reality ultimately becomes a choice and it becomes something that we both add to we we created with the ingredients that we're given right it's it's how we how we cook how we prepare the meal of the situation or, or of life um, and depending on the chef you know, one will either produce a pile of mush or fillet um, or maybe not fillet if the, or but something that tastes sweet or something that could be completely sour using the same ingredients um, and looking at looking back sort of in hindsight at some of the things that I perceptively to, my, to myself that I, I feel like I should have been doing this whole time I felt like I should have started Middle Tree years ago. Should have started it in you know, a, a few years into, or a, shortly after I finished my coursework for my PhD. Felt like I really should have started something then, but I, I waited. I took a situation and I waited. I didn't. I didn't create something sweet with it. And so many of us do this because I, I, I waited for a circumstance to create itself. I, I, didn't, I didn't go after anything. And I, and I said this over and over to Uncle T. I said, you know, let me, let me do something. And he said, uh, you know, and I'm not faulting him at all for this not at all because he, he just set the table I, I sat down at it he said you know study read your books do your writing don't worry this is all on me 
and uh, I shouldn't have bought into that so readily uh, because he was just trying to be a, a, a good custodian, a good guardian of, of my life um, as any parent would, as any protector would. He wanted the best for me and that's why I do not fault him at all. It was my laziness, it was my, what I think I felt at the time was entitlement. Um, that prevented me because we had the goddamn world under our thumb and I mean that in such real ways we had all the power there all the power on this planet in human form we had our at our disposal and we didn't do anything uh, effective with it. And I know we were, again, hamstrung by circumstance. Um, but that's a circumstance that we created and sort of saturated ourselves in. And what I could have been, Uncle T, I think he did everything that he could have. Everything that he could have, I believe. Everything that his honor and his pride and hit the situation given everything that he had been through and where he was and without Uncle Chuck and all this stuff. He did everything he could have and then he was trying to at the same time take care of and protect me even though you know I was often angry at him because I had to take care of and protect him. It was a give and take that I see. I always knew it. I always knew it wasn't like this is a mystery, but you get bitter sometimes, I think, and it's almost a natural reaction when the natural flow, the, the natural makeup and setup of things gets inverted, and the parent then becomes the one who needs taken care of, and in a poetic sense, um, there's a lot of justice in that, that one, uh, you know, that there's an inverse, uh, inversal of, and reversal of roles. Uh, but, and again, that's very romantic, that's a beautiful poetic notion. Um, however, the reality of it, at least in this particular experience, was, was not as clean. It carried with it for me. I think because of so many of the promises that were laid and my own particular attitude about things at the time, uh, it made it a much more bitter tasting meal than a, a sweet one and it left a lot of frustration there for me. And I became, uh, I was constantly frustrated with him. Uh, even though I loved him dearly, I, I had to deal with that uh, pretty frequently. Um, and, and of course, I, I wish that he, he had never passed. And uh, I don't understand why such a good man 
Why such a powerful man? Why such a wise man didn't see the mission completed? Didn't see it fulfilled? Um, unless that lives on in Middle Tree and Middle Tree would only have been possible after having gone through all of this, after having learned so much from him. And I do believe that that accounts for much of it, but at the same time it sure does seem unfair in so many ways that it had to shake out. And the history books are not closed on Middle Tree. I mean, they've barely just wrote, written the first chapter. But there is something that Verity has in store for me, for all of us, that it doesn't necessarily happen in our time, or in the time that we think it should be. There's something that, and this comes back to a matter of faith faith in ultimately ourselves and our position in the world and that we have to trust that the world that Verity The, the easy thing to say is that it Verity knows what it's doing, that Verity has a plan, that we're all part of it, but that seems almost too easy. That seems too hatched, too played out in our own minds at this point. What's beyond that? What's closer to the truth? What's, and even if it's not closer to the truth, what's something that is more workable for us to, to grasp given the ways that our consciousness is set up currently? And to me, and, and I believe something that is in step with Verity, more so than just to write it off as, ah, oh, it's, as the old language would say, God's plan. I think that what is entirely more appropriate is that there is something within us as well as within verity itself, within the nature of reality, the world, God, whatever you want to call it, sort of like there's something within us that, and within it that call to one another it's sort of like whatever it is whatever magic biological or otherwise and it is true magic regardless of what the scientists classify it as 
what is it that navigates animals to the same breeding ground that they were born in after having traveled literally around the world? What is it that makes people find one another and just become such a perfect partnership, a perfect fit? What is it that drives us into our destiny? Whatever that might be, we have to have a a certain amount of recognition that there is something innately within us and within it whatever you call or refer to as it even if you're not divinely inclined that is or even if you're not inclined to believe a divinity you don't have to we're, we're beyond we're getting beyond the system of belief here there is no system of belief in this there is verity and there are concepts and we as human beings create orchestrate facilitate and communicate with, to, from, are part of both. So what is it that is innately within us that leads us to the places that we are quote-unquote meant to be, the places that we are? And the places that we are, regardless of what we think of as, well, again, what old language we call of as destiny, fate, what is it that brings us here? And destiny and fate seem unfair words for folks whose time on this planet seem to have been cut short. And again, I think of Uncle T. I think of children's lives who have been cut short. I think of people who doing something meaningful we're, we're leading something we're a part of something and here's the thing is that we're all a part of, of this uh, it's something that we can't conceptually wrap our heads around and so we have to let those concepts go in important moments the most important moments in life are always felt with greater weight when we leave language on the sideline.
Do you ever notice when a really big moment occurs, there is no time for speech. It's only the observer and, and the happening. And those two things meld into one action. As Kirschmanirji always used to say, the observer is the observed, and vice versa. So, what is it? Why do we... How do, how, how do we get to conceptualizing without it being a concept, per se? the place where we make a peace we have an understanding we have a faith in things playing out the way that they do and will and and we have again an acceptance of that even when it is in the face of what can only otherwise be thought of as a great tragedy. And tragedy, in my mind anyways, is usually when potential has ended. When a potential has been cut short, I should say. Um, that's, that's really... Definition. I mean, there, there are other definitions of tragedy, but it's, it takes on a greater weight, weight when we understand how important we are to Verity, how important we are in the process and the happening and the evolution of reality itself. Because when we leave that potential unfulfilled we see that reality itself is unfulfilled and or it lacks our coloring it, it, it lacks how influence the the are are the fullest forces of our influence end of it what life is about is coming into that influence is making your mark however small on the world it, it's our purposes here are to simply be ourselves and not come to a, a tragic ending. That is an ending that leaves gaps within the field of what is. Gaps that only we could have filled. Gaps that 
through our being our most our, our brightest our our best selves we're, we're, we're never we're never we're never filled we're never redirected this the trajectory of, of history wasn't put on its best plight because of actions we left undone we, we, we don't ever want to say that and, and however we have to be okay and comfortable with the fact that Verity itself. I hate to say that it knows best. But Verity is going to be what Verity is going to be. And we are a, a part of that. And yes, we are an influential and a very important, not only important, intricate part of that. And yet at the same time, we're only a part. We can't necessarily influence the whole in the ways that we want to. And that's for the best, given our extraordinarily limited perspective and our extraordinarily subjective, egocentric standpoints. So... How do we balance that? How do we acknowledge that inner compass within ourselves and find our nesting place? Find our, the place where we go to roost spiritually, philosophically, uh, artistically, familially, with our own selves with with being itself with with our own lives how, how do we come to create that place how do we come to to live comfortably with that place once we've created it if we ever do most people I think spend their entire lives searching for that thing uh, without even really realizing that that is what they are doing most people sort of it, it seems to me maybe maybe I'm wrong I I tend to have this as I'm growing older and gaining some perspective I, I am seeing my own inner perspective even with a, a slightly greater modicum of, of objectivity my own perspective and I'm seeing that I have quite a rosy view of, <laughs> of of things in general which is great which is something I would I would never cast away for for anything but it also blinds me. <laughs> um, so when I make statements as I'm about to, 
Uh, maybe I'm off. I hope I'm off. But from what I, my eyes and ears report, and from what I can see in the way that we've set up the world, and maybe that's what this conversation should be more about, is how we fix the problems that we've created. I don't talk much about that, at least at this point, how we fix those problems. Uh, all my inquiries are more philosophical in, in nature and not as logistical. Um, my, uh, my feeling being that if we can fix the consciousness, everything else will fall into play, more or less. That, that gives us the, the moral, ethical, philosophical, spiritual compass, compasses, to then go out and guide the, uh, again, more logistical operations and go about fixing these problems that, that we've created. But backtracking, it seems to me that people spend a lot of their lives, a lot of their time searching for something that they can't really find because they aren't even aware of the search because they're so wrapped up in work or in an addiction or in their own I think this is more it than anything their own lazy their own laziness their own habits their own patterns and, and, and patterns and those things can, can be extraordinarily important for a variety of different reasons um, but when we rely on them as a way of life uh, we become dull and routine becomes uh, a prism rather than something that uh, lets us that gives us a balance I should say so how do we we, we have to first acknowledge that there's a problem I suppose if we're going to talk about fixing them And we will more deeply explore some fixes, potentially, but I also believe that middle tree is my proactive, my tangible, empirical, organizational answer to a lot of these problems that we've uh, dredged up for ourselves. Um, so, I, I, th I think that we are at Metal Tree doing the work of, of fixing um, the main problem, which is a lack of education, which is a lack of resources. And giving that back to people, giving them themselves back. And we're not doing it through religion, we're not doing it through politics, we're doing it through education, but really 
allowing people to, to just be themselves, to get an education about who they are as people just by removing some of the obstacles that the systems within the systems that are prevalent within society, the, the oppressive systems by removing some of those. But that's once again another conversation entirely probably. Something that will, as I mentioned, will delve into uh, at greater length at some other point. But uh, I started this sort of exploration with saying about my own kind of experience and how I should have I should have started Middle Tree such a long time ago and, and I, I do still feel like that and I do feel like more than letting Uncle Tone down by not accomplishing or not being able to give him the resources I needed to in order to accomplish his mission I think more than anything I let us both down by not accomplishing my own mission not starting by waiting for someone to kickstart that mission for me because this has always been in my heart this is always what I don't even believe that I'm supposed this is what I am supposed to do this is how I will live and, and change and make that mark however big or small on the world it's my niche that I will fill so I suppose I have to come to the acceptance that I wasn't supposed to do it 10 years ago. I was supposed to do it when I did it, which was two years ago. <laughs> I, I worry that by the time Middle Tree becomes what I know it will be, is that I'll be too old. Uh, I have the comparative sort of consciousness as do we all that looks around and says this person is successful at this age and this person did this with these resources and that should have been me I, I know I feel it I, I feel the power within myself I've been given all the tools though I, I've been blessed by the old gods and the new one that I'm creating in Verity for all of us and not it's not per se that I'm creating I'm, I am the Nikola Tesla of the light bulb so far as Verity is concerned we're just uh, we're just letting it out into the world we didn't discover electricity or just 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 as Nikola Tesla didn't discover electricity or, or Thomas Edison or whoever you want to give the credit to on that didn't discover electricity they just put the light bulb together we're doing the same thing with Verity 
but I have been extraordinarily blessed with all of the beautiful trappings of a wonderful, wonderful and loving family who have supported me spiritually, financially, emotionally uh, at, at every step. So it's easy, it's been easy for me to be who I am. It's, it's not easy for, for everyone. And not to say that being who I am is always such a cakewalk. The same can be said for all of us. Life is hard sometimes. It's emotional, it's difficult, it's something we don't want to face. And yet we're here. We've persisted. We've gone forward. We've survived. And not just as individuals, as a as a species, but in a much greater and more important role. We've survived as a consciousness. We've survived as a being, as an awareness that is cognizant of itself and capable, so capable of doing so many things. Things that can only be accomplished through the calibrations of these moral, spiritual, ethical, philosophical compasses that we've attuned ourselves to, that we followed innately because they're a part of us. But sometimes uh, we don't acknowledge them in, in the ways that we could or should. Uh, and that's largely to the faults of... Um, you know, really the ways that we've set up our own selves, our own societies, our own our own beings within the world. We don't we don't follow that inner voice as often as we do bend our knees to the external circumstances that surround us just like I did when Uncle Tone and I were fighting our war I wasn't writing a philosophical war then I was writing somebody else's somebody I was writing somebody else's fucking paper I was writing about things that didn't necessarily matter to me, but I, things that I was told to study, things that I was told to look at, things that I was told were important because they were fucking important to somebody else not important to me what's important to somebody else is a great way to become a slave and by following that it's a great way to enslave yourself and all of society. Because then you teach somebody to be 
think of something as the, the thing that you were taught to that it's important that you, you pass that on and it's really not important to that person there's really there's no change that happens there there's no truth there's no discovery there's no actuality there's no interaction with them there's no there's no creation there is only subservience and we're all so fucking afraid all the time fear fear is the biggest enemy that's why we don't acknowledge our own divinity our own reality our own verity and we we cower we, we tremble to in, in the face of the things life gives us very little acceptance you know, a lot of fear lack of acceptance creates fear when you have acceptance fear goes away when you have acceptance there's only room for love there's only room for compassion there's only room for that rosy colored view of life that <laughs> blinds you in the best possible way and of course I pray for the safety and sanctity of those I love I pray for the the positive outcomes of the endeavors that I hold near and dear of course of course I do and yet we have to have the wisdom to accept that our perspective although although well-intended and seemingly uh, correct to us seemingly something that we think of as uh, something we think of as the way in which it should be or would be the best possible outcome for us <clears throat> personally we have to accept that <clears throat> might not always be the case Uncle T always told me that God is nothing but love and acceptance nothing but love and acceptance So how do we reflect that?
How do we become that? How do we live in that vein um, and do justice to that notion, to that thing that allows us, that gives us the field in which we operate? How do we make that, for lack of a better word, proud of us? How do we, how do we pay homage to that? I suppose by, in turn, loving and accepting all that we encounter. It's not easy, and and loving it doesn't mean we necessarily like it. <laughs> doesn't mean we necessarily like it. It means we accept it, and we we hope for it, and we try and nurture it as best we can. Um, however, we have to do so without necessarily sacrificing who and what we are. Um, the beautiful story of, of Jesus Christ is that he did sacrifice his life for ours. I won't get too deeply, well, we'll see how deeply we get into the viability of um, that as a philosophical uh, theological notion. It's a beautiful notion. But it's a beautiful notion for the one who really is God. Uh, because God, yeah, that's what it would do, right? That's as something which is all acceptance itself. That, that's its role. <laughs> that's its position. That's what it is supposed to do. story is a metaphor, an allegory. Um, and that was meant to show us uh, show it be, be a story for us, about us as individuals. Then there's quite a a bit to learn from that 
not necessarily laying down our own lives for a cause or for but laying down our own lives for ourselves for our truest so the the Christ story and you forgive me for the the pause and uh, the the getting sidetracked there but I, I saw a man who I'm around middle tree right now and it's late at night and I just saw a man who I had seen here uh, a couple of days ago and I, I didn't really know what his his deal was and it's ironic that it comes up right now in, in speaking um, about this very topic at this portion of the dictation um, about Christ and uh, and the sa his sacrifice um, but I just saw a man who um, I didn't realize he was homeless until just now after speaking with him I saw him he was riding his bike and I went to go kind of seek him out because I had sort of a, a shady encounter with him a couple of days ago and, you know I you could tell he's not a quote-unquote regular guy but I didn't realize he was homeless I I and I, I just I saw him and I, I wanted to kind of get a feel for what he was doing and I actually went over there with more hostile intentions to say like hey dude he can't be around here and after talking with him you know I realize that he like pretty much everybody and I don't think this is necessarily a rosy colored stay it is a rosy colored statement but I think it's got a lot of weight behind it and it is, is very much true is that he like most people is a good man he's got a good heart um, well intended and for whatever reason he's been you know dealt the hand that he has um, so I just went and spoke with him or sought him out and we had a conversation and um, anyways the ironic part about it is that we're talking about this at this portion of the dictation about how Christ as a as a figure as a, as a symbol um, if he really was God, then he did what he was supposed to do. However, um, if it's an allegory, if he really is a symbol, then we're all supposed to sort of sacrifice ourselves for that which is the the greater, the, the for our humanity, for our actual truest selves. We need to do another whole dictation on Christ as myth. Uh, the power of Christ as, as a myth and not as an actual person. Uh, and I, I've spoken about it a number of different times. Uh, we've never directed a whole dictation to it. So anyways, The power of it, just simply stated, 
and how we can best relate to it is through our own beings, of course, and the tale that it tells us about ourselves in that we can give wholly of ourselves to ourselves, to each other, to see and recognize and acknowledge that innocence within all of us and, and the divinity that lies, the uniqueness that lies, the, the reflection of our own selves within all people. And through that, we, we, we lay ourselves down and, and sacrifice ourselves to that greater happening. Um, however, being that are not necessarily, at least we don't think of ourselves as divine in the way that Christ the historical figure or the allegorical figure, however you personally think of him, we don't think of ourselves as that. And maybe we should. Maybe that's precisely the problem, is that the way the religion has set itself up is that there's a God and you're not it <laughs> is that there's a reality and you're not you're not a part of it sorry you're not you're not a part of it um your best bet is to be obedient to it and that that's the thing you can do and be most is is give your obedience um maybe we need to set up our consciousness and as a philosophical war would refer to it as in the theoman the theomanistic sort of mentality that we have that spark of divine not just the spark that we are the theomen. We are the saviors. We are the influencers. We are the things that are the true salvations. We are, we are the salvation itself. Not just for ourselves. But against conceptualization. Against the systematic organizational structures that have come out of it. But going back to, to the irony of me encountering this, this man is um, at the time that I did in the dictation is I was starting to say that as limited subjective beings, or at least uh, as beings that conceive of themselves as limited and subjective, 
we feel a very strong need to preserve ourselves is that and in that we feel that our hands are largely tied um, and that we can only do so much and I just lived out that very feeling is I was in my encounter with this gentleman who was just as kind as sweet and as personable and I got no feeling of um, really anything outside of warmth from him and maybe what I should have done or maybe what I should do but I know for my own self-preservation that I won't or, or, or can't even whether it be within myself or because I have convinced myself that the evil the banality of uh, the banality the, 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 the evil the pervasive evil that conceptualization has epoxed the world with is so prevalent that I can't fully trust this man um, and that I believe of myself to be limited by my subjectivity rather than empowered by that divine spark within me is that I I can't do more than give the man the cash that was in all the cash that was in my pocket which was was not much was only a couple of dollars although I did give it all to him that was as far as and I suppose some could say I was certainly certainly I was under no obligation to do even that but where's the line between protecting yourself and I could make such a strong argument for it for, that is for protecting myself and not wanting to jeopardize or endanger my life for another but shit maybe I should have invited him to my home just even for the night I suppose I very much wish that I had that strength of mentality within me. More so, anyways. That would allow me the capacity of heart uh, the faith that uh, an act like that especially under that circumstance I mean there are certainly those who are so gripped by concepts by addiction by that laziness of habit that we spoke of before uh, that make themselves 
unsafe and truly damned. Not by God, not by circumstance, but through their own condemnations. They truly lend themselves to their own damnations. To, that, that have unlocked the doors of their own damnations. But I didn't necessarily get that feeling from him. Then again, I wasn't particularly moved to help him. I felt that he was comfortable. I didn't sense him suffering. And nor did I really sense him suffering the, the other day. When I first encountered him. But aren't we all suffering a little bit? I suppose. However, it, I suppose it's also the duty of our own selves to pull ourselves out of that suffering. And bring us into the salvation that is so readily available if we were to reach out and grab a hold of it. By fulfilling that innermost potential of ourselves.